Well, if you would turn with me this morning to a scripture that we looked at last week, and we're going to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we've begun talking about the glory of God. And let's just go ahead and read our text and get into this further in John chapter 14. John 14. Before we read, let's pray. Join our faith together. How many realize you don't just plop down in your seat like you're going to a movie or a concert? Now, this is church, right? And so uh, you're supposed to be active in your faith, right? And it's not just what I can do, but it's you and I believe in God together, what God can do. So let's release our faith together. Father God, we, we come before you this morning thanking you so much. For your great goodness and faithfulness and graciousness to us. Thank you for your word. It's life to us and healing and medicine to our flesh. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is our teacher, our guide, our helper. We look to you. We yield to you. Give all of us eyes that can see and ears that can hear. Hearts open and receptive. Let there come revelation of truth and anointing manifest. Your presence And we purpose not to be hearers only, but by your grace to be doers. We know as we do, we'll be blessed because you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it. Get glory to yourself in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. So are you expecting now that you'll hear something good? Right? It might not even be something that was said. Have you ever seen how the Holy Ghost works? Something was said, but then the Holy Ghost says something to you about what was said and takes you on a train of thought and you wind up at a place. How many know he can show you something just like that that can solve something you've been struggling with for years? Right? Just straighten up something. Thank God for the light when it comes and and show you where you've been wrong. That tells people don't want to see where they've been wrong. I do. Don't you want to see? I I don't like, you know, banging my head against the wall. If I'm messing up, I want to know it so I can straighten up, get this thing fixed so that the problems stop and the blessings flow. Amen. So say it out loud, Lord, what I don't see, show me what I've not understood. Reveal to me where I've been wrong. Correct me. I'll receive. Amen. Glory to God. He'll do that for us. In John 14, John 14, and the 21st verse, John 14, 21, says, He that has my commandments, Jesus said, and keeps them. I understand that's a big difference, isn't it? Uh, You can have a closet full of tapes, but if you don't do any of it, it, you get the same results as if you didn't have any tapes, right? You can go to all kind of meetings and take all kind of notes. You can be like a professional meeting goer, right? You could be an expert tape player. I mean, you know, quick fingers, You can fast forward and cue and, I mean, you can be an expert tape player for 20 years. And if you don't practice what you hear, it's just like you had never heard a tape as far as what kind of results you get. Only the doers get results. 
Not the meeting goers, not the folk that just shout about it, not the book readers, not the tape players. That's all good, but unless you do it, put it into practice. Right? I'm just saying you talk about tithing for only so long, and then what's got to happen if you're going to get results? Tithe. Right? You talk about prayer for so long, but then what's got to happen? If you don't pray. Right? Talk about faith, but at some point you've got to act faith. Act on faith. Otherwise, there won't be results. He that has my commandments, you have them, but you also what? And keeps them. He it is that loves me, Jesus said. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. How many like that? Man, I've always loved this verse because it just, if you love the Lord, you want to see him, right? You want to experience him. It's like any human person. If you love somebody, you want to see them. You want to be around them. You want to hear them talk, right? You want to be, you want to fellowship with them. Well, how many love the Lord? You know, this is one of the biggest issues, and it's an area that people have just kind of slid over. Loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength makes all the difference in all your life. And the reality is is that so many people don't love the Lord at all. And even a lot of Christians don't love him much. They love, you know, they love something. Well, for instance, right now. How many believe there's other people could be in this building this morning? Right? Why aren't they here? Well, they love something else more. Right? May just be laying in the bed. Right? Or fishing or whatever it is, you know, or eating. I don't know. Making breakfast. and They love something more. My time. I got to have my time. Well, you can have time. But you should put God first, right? And if you love him more than you love yourself, then you're going to put everything else aside when it comes time to do his things. If you love him, it'll be demonstrated. Now he goes on to say, he that loves me, that, you know, keeps my commandments, he'll be loved of my father. I will love him and will manifest myself to him. The Amplified says, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Don't you like that? How many would like for God to be even more real to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reveal himself. How many believe he's got a lot more he could reveal to you? Oh, my. We hadn't scratched the surface on God. How much more could we see of him? How much more could we know of him? Would that change our life? To know him better. To understand, to see more of him. You know, I had somebody some years ago was trying to argue with me about the Bible. I was trying to help them out. And I said, well, the thing to do, because they were talking about, and they didn't know what to believe. And they didn't know how to live and what to do. And I said, well, the key is the Bible. You know, take everything back to the scripture. And then they kind of rolled their eyes. I said, well, everybody's got their own interpretation of the Bible. Who knows what it means? Well, that's an easy out, isn't it? Huh? 
That's just people don't realize it, but that's being spiritually irresponsible and lazy. Because the Bible says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Right? In Ephesians. So we have a responsibility to find out what God's will is. And not just rock along and say, well, nobody can know. And sometimes it looks that way to people on the outside because they say, well, how? I mean, this group believes the Bible says something different from this group. And this group believes something different from those two. And there everybody believes their own thing. Well, it's a matter of light. It's a matter of knowing him. You'll find that the more that people know him, the more they'll agree on things. The basic issues. Now, none of us know all about him. That's why even Apostle Paul, you know, he said, we know in part. What does that mean? There's parts you don't know. Right? And that's the parts where you get goofy interpretations from. (laughs) Right? And that's the parts where people are disagreeing about. But the reason why that people have all these wild interpretations and wrong interpretations, because they don't know him. It's just logic and reasoning. And how many understand in interpreting uh, the Bible, just be like interpreting a letter. If you got a letter from me, and this kind of thing has happened before. I wrote something down, and you got a letter from me, and you're reading it, and you're trying to figure out, I wonder what he meant by that. Well, if Phyllis happened to be standing there beside you, right? And you say, well, I think he means this. She said, oh, no, there's no way he meant that. Well, see, she might know because she knows me better. Do you see what I'm saying? And so that could prevent a wrong interpretation of my letter. Well, that's the way it is with God. The better you know him, you know some of the wild things people come up with couldn't be right. Because you say, no, that, I know him. That can't be right. He doesn't mean that because he also said this. And he said this over here, and that doesn't agree with this. Right? So you're going to be able to understand the word depending on how well you know him, which explains why the Bible seems so difficult to people who are not saved. They don't know the one who wrote it. Right? They don't have his spirit in him. But we got the wonderful thing. We know who wrote it and we got the author living inside of us. (laughs) He can tell you, this is what I meant when I said that. Because he's right there. What do you mean, Holy Ghost? You wrote this. He can tell you. Amen. And it's going to be in line with the rest of the book. Thanks be unto God. He said, I will make myself real to him. Let myself be clearly seen by him. Back up to John 11, please. John 11. This is the account where Lazarus was raised from the dead. And in John 11... 39, Jesus said, take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, said I not unto you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. Now, the Lord's already told us, and I get excited about this because we're not trying to believe for something wild and bizarre here for God to manifest himself to us. He told us, he's committed to us that if we'd obey him, he would do it. Amen. 
So faith is based on the word. Do we have any word to stand on to believe for God to manifest himself to us? He told us, you love me, you obey me, I will manifest myself to you. So we can stand up and say, Lord, here I go. I'm obeying you and you told me you'd manifest yourself to me. So I'm expecting you to let yourself be clearly seen by me and make yourself real to me. I'm expecting. But then looking at this again. He said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Does faith have anything to do with the manifestation of the presence of God? The manifestation of the glory of God. Because so many people, they either say or they imply, well, it's just up to God. When he gets ready, he'll manifest himself. And so people are just waiting on him and thinking, well, when the special time comes or when this or that. Well, no, he said, I told you that if you would wait and see, what? If you would believe. Well, what are we believing for? Believing to see the manifestation of the presence of God, the spirit of God, the glory of God. And so they did, they acted on his words, they got that stone out of the way, and in a few minutes they're seeing Lazarus standing there, raised from the dead. Did they see the glory of God? They did. Did they believe to see it? If they hadn't believed, they wouldn't have rolled the stone away. Right? They said, oh, no, 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 we can't do this. No, they worked with him, they, they yielded to him, cooperated with him, and they saw the manifestation of the glory of God. Now, there are numerous uh, references, and before we're through, I believe we'll go to a lot of them, that show and describe the manifestation of the glory of God, and you'll see in the Old Testament and New Testament as well, manifestations of light, manifestations of fire, manifestations of cloud. A lot of times you'll see the cloud, but here nothing is said about cloud or fire or smoke, or light, but what they see? They saw a miracle, right? They saw a man raised from the dead, and they saw the man healed. Is that seeing the glory of God? It is. Uh, how many understand that a healing is a manifestation of the glory of God? A deliverance is a manifestation. Of the glory of God. Somebody being delivered out of financial problems. Miraculously. The thing turning around. Did you see the glory of God in that? Yeah. Somebody who's bound up in sin. Getting saved. And somebody who's you know. Condemned. Getting delivered. And getting free. And and getting their righteousness restored. Did you see the glory of God? When they come out of the ditch. And they're standing there with the light of God on their face. So to speak. Hands upraised. Free from the bondages, free from the habits, free from the sin, free from their past. Is that the glory of God? It is. So I'm saying this because I don't want us just focusing on one thing and particularly just trying to see something. There have been and there will be manifestations of the glory of God that people can see. But how many understand when somebody's raised from the dead, you can see that? Right? You didn't see a cloud, but you saw something. Right? How many understand the fact that we're here today in this building? That's seeing something. Keith and Phyllis didn't do it. Right? You didn't do it. 
We cooperated, but he did it. I mean, you can work yourself silly and not do these things. I don't care who you think you are, what you think you know, or what you think you can do. Apart from him, you can do big zippo. Right? But if you cooperate with him, he does things and you see them. They're manifest. I mean, I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. Here we are. Right? Word going around the world. Just getting started too. Amen. Well, we're seeing manifestations of the glory of God. But how many believe there is so much more? There are much bigger, greater, stronger manifestations of the presence of God. How many would suit you for God to manifest himself so strong in this place that every one of us knows pasted to the carpet for three days? Just saying, the Lord, he is God. Huh? So strong and so real that you didn't realize three days passed. That's what happened to Moses in the mount. Forty days. He was in the glory. Didn't eat. Didn't drink. Probably didn't sleep or anything. Why? Caught up in the presence of God. That's our future. Did you know that? That's what we're destined for. That's what heaven is like. Glory to God. That is the atmosphere of heaven. Oh, thanks be unto God. Let me read these to you. The Bible tells us, and it's been prophesied throughout the word, that the glory of God would be manifest. And the Bible said in Numbers 14, you don't have to turn to these, but just listen. Numbers 14, 21, the Lord said, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Say that out loud. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Psalm 72, 19. Psalm 72, 19 said, Blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Habakkuk, the second chapter. Habakkuk 2, 14 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How many know there's a lot of water out there in the Pacific? There's a lot of water in the Atlantic, right? Over the face of the earth, he said the glory of the Lord and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to be manifest like that. Have we seen all of that yet? We haven't. But how many believe the time is short? How many believe that we have to be? There's no question about it. We are closer to the fulfillment of all things than anybody's ever been. I mean, people thought they were in the last days centuries ago. And they were when you look at it from God's standpoint. But if they were, then we must be in the last of the last. But the good news is that every one of these wonderful words that God has said has to come to pass. If it hadn't come to pass yet, it's got to come to pass between now and the finish of this thing. Right? Aren't you glad you're alive? How many believe we're going to see some things? Glory. We're going to see the Lord our God manifesting his goodness, manifesting his glory. That's what draws people to repentance. Amen. And again, it's not just seeing the cloud of glory. It's not just seeing a manifestation of a sign in fire or that kind of thing. But it's seeing the works of God. 
The works of God glorify God. When you see a healing, you saw the glory of God. When you saw the deliverance, when you see a miracle, you saw the glory of God too. And there are different manifestations of it. How many understand there's some miracles that are impacting to a degree, and then there's some miracles that shake a whole city? I mean, reading in the book of Acts, there were healings where a whole two and three cities turned to the Lord because of one healing. Is that right? Can God still do that? Yeah, no question about it. A healing. Well, that's seeing the glory of God, isn't it? When people are so moved by healing that happened or deliverance that whole cities turn to the Lord. Is it possible today? That kind of thing. It is. It is. Said out loud, we shall see see the glory of God. God. Isaiah 40 verse 5 says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Man, that's a strong word, isn't it? When the Lord says, I've said it, does that mean anything? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And what? There's some things that's not going to be done in a corner. There's some things that everybody's going to see. Right? Everybody's going to know. And everybody's going to know it was God. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Thank you, Master. I think we ought to thank him for that by faith right now. Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing it. We believe you. We believe you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now, back to this thought. Did the Lord tell us that if we would obey him, he would manifest himself to us? I want us to meditate on this. I don't want us to get very far from this over the next several weeks and months. Did he tell us that if we would obey him, he'd manifest himself to us? So then go around, you know, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and night and day. If it comes up in your heart, say, thank you, Lord, for manifesting yourself to us. Thank you, Lord. You said, see, faith comes by hearing. You said that if I would obey you and I'm obeying you, that you would manifest yourself to me. And then the other verse said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So do we have a responsibility to believe for these things? To expect these things. So we're expecting them. And we are to come to church expecting. Right? Not just expecting to hear something and take a few notes and go home on time. Right? How many believe we can expect for greater manifestations of the glory of God? That you don't come to look at me and I don't come to look at you. We come and look to him. Right? And we come, I come in faith, and you come in faith expecting the Lord to manifest himself. We're not trying to tell him how. We're not, that's his business, but we are, how many believe it is always his will to manifest himself to us? Always. So that when we leave, we can say, I saw something I didn't see in him today. He's getting more real to me. That should be happening, you know, from glory to glory. Every time, like the scripture says. Go with me, please, if you would, to the book of Revelation. Now, I gave a uh, definition of glory, and I want to talk about it some more. You'll find one of the primary words for glory in the Hebrew and the Greek 
has to do with the meaning of heavy or weighty. We talked about that some last week. It also has the meaning of richness, splendor, brightness, magnificence. So let me say it like that. When you say we experienced the glory of God, another way you could say we experienced the richness of God. Right? We, we saw the glory of God. We saw the majesty of God. We saw the weight, which weight in that use has to do with value, substance. You know, you used to didn't buy things with paper. I mean, years ago, back in these days, paper wouldn't buy you anything. You had to have heavy metal. Right? You had, you had to have some silver. You had to have some gold. And if something was really valuable and really expensive, you had to get your donkeys. Is that right? And load them up with big sacks of gold. And so it took something heavy to buy that item. Right? How many understand God's things are the most valuable? They are the most weighty. They are the heaviest in value and worth. We use this phrase all the time. You are worth E. Right? Worthy. Sometimes we just use the word worthy. It flows off. But what does it mean? Worth. You're worth more to us than anything, Lord. Your words are worth more to us. Your presence is what we desire. Worth more than anything to us. Well, see, that's evidence, too, that we love him. Right? These go in the same, because like we said, there are people all over the state and the cities and, and country today that it wasn't worth getting out of bed to them. Right? And it's sad because they just don't know him. They don't know what they're missing. But how many believe that you and I and millions like us all over the planet can stir ourselves up and be hungry for God and have faith in God until He's manifesting Himself so strong that people have to say, Man, I gotta go check that out. What is going on over there? I gotta find out why those people are so pumped when they come to work on Monday morning. What's up with them? They never get down, they're never depressed. And where's all that money come from? I know they don't make that much money at the factory. How they drive that new car? Do you know they just moved in a new house? Where'd they get all that money? How they stay so healed all the time? Right? What are they seeing? Oh yeah, you're getting it. They're seeing the glory of God in you. They're seeing the glory of God manifest in your life. And how many understand they're seeing the goodness of God? What will that do to them? It'll pull them. It'll draw them, right, to repentance, to turning around and giving their life to him. They'll say, I want what you've got. How many understand it ought not be long that whoever works around you gets to saying, I want what you've got. I want what you've got. Right? That's how it's supposed to be. And it is becoming that way more and more, more and more in this bunch. Amen. Yeah. We believe it. We said that means heavy, weighty. Uh, let's wait on Revelation just a minute and go to Malachi. 
Instead of the end of the New Testament, go to the end of the Old Testament. Just go to Matthew and back up a page or two. We talked last week at some length about the weightiness of God's things. And how if we, you know, God does not give his precious things to people who don't value them. He even told us, don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Right? What does he mean by that? What does that mean? Don't throw your pigs to the pearls. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah, don't do that either. But most importantly, don't throw your pearls to the pigs. Why not? Why not? They don't know, you know, we've said it before, but, you know, if I see you and and you're crying and you're all upset and I say, what's wrong? You say, well, I gave my $20,000 strand of pearls to Arnold the pig. And he just broke them and stomped them in the mud. Didn't even appreciate it. Well, you're dumb. Right? Because you should have known that Arnold the pig or whatever his name is wouldn't know the difference between a pebble and a pearl and wouldn't care. So if you give him the expensive thing, then you're just foolish. Right? And you're mishandling your precious things. Well, how many understand God knows that? Right? And he's not calling people pigs and dogs. But the thing is, he doesn't give his precious things to people who don't value them. And so God is huge on stewardship. Have you found that out? Oh, he's big on it. And we're supposed to be also. He sees what you do with a little. And that determines whether you get any more. Right? And how much more you get. And all of us ought to be the same way. The Bible tells us when it comes to leadership, when it comes to positions in the church, that you don't stick a novice in a place. Is is that right? So don't do that. Why? Let them first be proved. Well, how are they going to be proved? Hmm? Well, you're thinking about letting them preach a message? Put a broom in their hand. Right? See what they do with that. I'm serious. You know, put them behind a lawnmower. You know, you're thinking about putting them over something? Put them over that six by eight plot of ground. See what they do with that. And if they just, oh, you know, this is beneath me. And uh, if I had a real important job, then I'd really give it 100%. But I'm just going to, you know, slough over this. No, then they don't qualify. They have proven themselves unfit for the next job. Right? And people are that way so many times. But how many understand if it's the Lord's work, there is nothing that's trivial and insignificant. If it's the Lord's work, I don't know at the times. Something has come up in our ministry or at the church. And you call on somebody and they say, well, that's not really my ministry. Well, we didn't ask you if it was. Well, if you have something on the platform open up. You actually hear this kind of thing. Or if you need us to be in charge of something. The world's full of people who want to run something. Right? 
But what they don't realize, they think they're just telling you that. But they just told the Lord that. They don't realize it, but they just told him that. If you were on the, in heaven, on the golden streets, and the Lord handed you a broom and said, you know, son, would you sweep that off for me? Are you going to say, well, Lord, that's not really my ministry. <laughs> huh? Somebody said, oh, no, no, not for the Lord. Well, who do you think this is for? What do you think this is? So people, they don't see it. They've been darkened. How many understand everything that's happened? You know, I'm up here preaching. You see me. But how many know somebody had to prepare these communion tables here? Is that important? Somebody cleaned this carpet. Right? Check these seats. Somebody's working in children's. Somebody cleaned the bathrooms. Somebody's out on the parking lot. Is that any less important? If the people can't get in and get out. Right? If there's no place. If things are not operating. Somebody had to work on the electrical. Somebody's working on carpentry. Are any of these things unimportant to the Lord? No. no. They all affect people hearing the word, people being saved, people being blessed. It is majorly important. There's eternal reward going on for these things. Right now, it's being accrued. Can you say amen? amen. So friends, we ought not to take any of it lightly. Did you hear that word? But it should be in our mind what? Weighty. Right. They asked me to help clean the bathroom. Is that weighty? If it's the Lord's bathroom, it's particularly weighty, right? Anything that has to do with His things is weighty. I know when I first started in the ministry, I had the privilege of working under uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin. And he said they were going to train some people to work in the healing school. And as he described it, I thought to myself, man, wouldn't that be something? Whew. Now that'd be wonderful. And I looked around. There were hundreds of people in the room. I thought, I bet everybody feels the same way. They think they'd like to be. I come to find out later, they didn't. Come to find out later that everybody wasn't chomping at the bit like me. But here in just a few months, some things came up, and I was one of the ones that they picked to get involved. Well, in the beginning, what I did is I helped register people. I had a card that I'd help you fill out. Does that seem like a big, heavy thing? And yet it is. So many times, just greeting the people and having some love in your voice, they told me later, made the difference. They were ready to just turn around and leave. Did you hear me? But because we were nice to them and showed them some love and ministered some peace to them, they decided they'd stay. And the longer they stayed, the more they got. And then they said, well, I'm just going to stay the rest of the week now. Right? Somebody said, what was that? Well, that was the card ministry. Registration card ministry. <laughs> and then I had a tape playing ministry. I pushed buttons. And I'd play the tape. And singing and playing. But how many understand, if we hadn't have done that, would we be here today doing this? What if anywhere you'd have said, ah, that's not important enough to me. I'm not going to do that. People are not recognizing my gift. They're not giving place to my gift. You need to forget about your gift. And start serving the Lord. Get your mind on helping somebody. Oh, we got a rash of this. Hmm? Don't need to get on this some. <laughs> Maybe not, huh? <laughs> this is a problem. 
Everybody looking for somebody to help me. Well, nobody will support me. Nobody will help me. Nobody will rally around me. They won't recognize my gift. Well, you've got too much focus on yourself. Forget about you. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, what can I do? Who can I help? And be willing to do anything. Anything. Don't let anything be trivial and insignificant to you. If it's the Lord's things, it's important. Everything that has to do with it is important. Now look what happened in Malachi. You see, the spiritual condition of a people is reflected by how they see and how they treat the things of God. And you show me a place that never has any manifestation of the presence of God, never has any manifestation of the glory of God. I'll show you a place where the people have come to despise the things of the Lord. Now, when I say despise, in our vernacular, that sounds strange to us. But in the Word, in the Bible, if you just fail to value something, that's called despising. Are you with me? Now, I'll give you an example. Something come up and you go, ah, big deal. What's the big deal with that? Well, you just despised it. In your eyes, it is little and unimportant and inconsequential. And read about it here in Malachi. In Malachi, verse 6, chapter 1. Malachi 1, 6. Malachi 1, 6. A son honors his father. That's how it should be, shouldn't it? Now, let me give you some counsel, parents. Mothers, fathers, don't argue with your children. Well, that went over real big, didn't it? (laughs) If you do, you are teaching them to dishonor you. Did you hear me? We're living in a situation and the devil is subtle in his tactics and trickery. And you got all these shows on TV. And people think that what they're seeing is normal. And they see teenage girl screaming at her mom. And they scream back and forth. And they say, well, they're just going through those years. That is not okay. That is not normal. It's yielding to the flesh. It's yielding to the devil. And as a parent, if you participate in that and you argue with them and yell with them, then you're acting like you do not have a place over them. Did you hear me? You're treating them like an equal. And see, that has come to be popular that you treat your children like equals. Well, then where does the honoring the father and mother come in? Right? No, there needs to come a point where you say, now you can talk, you can discuss things, but at the moment you begin to hear that sassiness, that bitterness, that, you know, that rebellion, you say, that's it. Now hush. Yeah, but not another word. Why? Because I'm your mother. You don't talk to me that way. I'm your father. You don't talk to me that way. If you don't teach them that, you're not teaching them to honor God. There's even books that people write now doesn't say, oh, you never tell a child, do something because I told you. You have to explain and you have to reason with them. How about our Father God? 
He's got more kids than anybody. He knows more about raising kids than anybody. Does he explain everything to us? Hmm? Does he reason with us and tell us everything? Or does he ever tell us, do it? We say, why? He said, because I said so. Does he ever do that? How about like every day? Huh? Do this. Go through this door and you're looking and go, uh, <laughs> what's on the other side? You get silence, nothing. Because you know all you need to know to walk by faith. And if you respect him and you honor him, you're not going to argue with him. And he's not going to get down on your level and argue and fuss with you like you want him to or like other people do. He's not going to do that. You either respect him or you don't. Right? Did you hear it now? I know some people don't like this. It disagrees with some of their books. But you know, you need to get in this book. Right? And this book teaches the children to honor the parents. Honor them. So you don't treat them like equals in all these things. They are to respect your position. Who you are and what you are in their life. And if they don't like it, well, they can figure it out as an adult. They can do what they want to then. Did you hear me? But in the meantime, they're to show you respect. Still show you respect afterwards, but uh, it's the children who are told to obey the parents. Now, he said, if a son does what? Honors his father. And a servant, in other words, honors his master. And if I then be a father, where is my honor? Now, if you read this book of Malachi, you see that the priests, you see that the people and the operation of the temple, they are backslid. They are cold. They are not having the manifestations of the presence of God. They are not experiencing the realness of God. Because they're cold, and you see why. He starts out by asking, where's my honor? I mean, understand, if we want to see the glory of God, we must give God the glory. We must give him the respect. We must give him the honor if we're to see the glory. If we're to see his weightiness, his preciousness manifested, we must attribute to his things value and preciousness. He said, where's my honor? If I be a master, where's my fear or my reverence or respect? Says the Lord of hosts, O you priests that do what? Despise my name. How many understand, uh, like the scripture said in one place, like priests, like people. Right? Like parents, like children. Everything produces after its own kind. You see little kids sometimes disrespectful, and you know right away where they learn that. Parents, church people. If the church people don't have respect for the things of God, it comes right back to the leaders. Right? Everything produces after its own kind. And that's why leaders are to teach. That's why parents are to teach the children. No, 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 you don't do that right now. No, shh, show respect. No, you don't do this right now. No, change that. This is not the time. Over a lifetime, we learn to discern and discriminate. And he said, you priest, you're despising my things. And you say, where? Where have we despised your name? See, so much of this people are doing, they have dulled themselves. They're not even aware of it anymore. He said, you offer polluted bread on my altar. And you say, where have we polluted you in that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible? 
and you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Or accept your person, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 10, who is there even among you that would shut the doors? Neither do you kindle fire on my altar for naught, for nothing. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Does the Lord receive all offerings? No, he does not, even though people bring them. Now here, what was the problem? They're bringing junk. Right? They're bringing their worst. They're bringing, you know, in this days, they didn't bring so much uh, currency and cash or write checks. They're agrarian society. They'd bring their flour and their corn and their oil and they'd bring their sheep and their goats. But they're not bringing their good stuff. They're bringing their cheapest. Right? What does that tell about people? This is not important to them. Right? They bring in their cheapest. They're bringing their junk. <laughs> Brother Hagin said years ago, they first started a ministry. He said some folk came by the parsonage and they had some boxes and uh, they had some dishes and stuff. They said, we, you know, we were taking these to the garbage pile and we thought about you. <laughs> now that's a blessing. Isn't it? And we just want to see if you could use them. And so they came and gave them to him. He said every one of them was cracked or had a big chip out of them or something. So they just took them out and threw them at the trees. <laughs> and then the trash pile. Isn't that something? You know, now how many stand that the Lord takes that personally? He said, and as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And here in particular is the Lord's representative under shepherd of this church. And they brought this to him. And they're saying Lord. We were going to throw this junk away. But we said we'd give it to you instead. Is that okay? No. Will people like that see the glory of God? They don't value God. They don't value his things. They don't value his people and his operations. I've seen people in churches. Thank God you're not that way. Amen. And we'll never be this way. But cheap. Anybody like cheap? No. Cheap. I mean, you know, something came up about a, a carpet or something came up about a piano. And then the deacons said, oh, no, that's too much money. I know where we can get one. A second cousin of my brother-in-law, uh, he's got to use one down there. Just fine. Just good enough. But then what do they got sitting in their house? Will people like that see the glory of God? Why? They despise the things of God. They despise the church of God. They despise the operations of God. Oh, but people who glorify God. People who go, hey, this is important. We got to get this nice. Right? This is the Lord's thing. This is the Lord's offerings. Keep on reading. He said, verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. And my name shall be great among the heathen, says the Lord of hosts. 
But you have profaned it in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. And you said also, behold, what a weariness is it. And you've snuffed at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you brought that which was torn and the lame and the sick, thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and vows and sacrifices to the Lord a corrupt thing. He could have done something good. He could have given a fine offering and he gave something broke. He said, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. And that's, you know, just later, right later on in the third chapter, that's he talked about bring all the tithes in the storehouse. And he talks about honoring the Lord, glorifying God. The money's included, but it's not just the money. Sometimes people try to work on the money side of it. But if people don't want to give or if people, you know, you got rich people that come and put $2 in the offering. Well, that's, somebody said, well, they need to give better. That's not the problem. The problem is the heart, right? The problem is not why don't they give more. The problem is why don't they want to? Did you hear me? That's the issue. Why don't they desire to? That's why we don't pull on people to give. Some people leave the impression if you just shake people long enough till the money falls out that they'll be blessed in spite of their self. No, they won't. God looks at the what? The heart. And the issue is... Why isn't the things of God important to them? Why isn't the work of God important? If it is, then nobody has to, you know, prime you and you don't get up. See, we're talking about offerings here, but how many understand going to church? When people say, what a weariness it is. Reading their Bible. Oh. You got to teach your children this. If they say, well, it's time to read the Bible. Oh, mama, do I have to? No, you don't have to, but get yourself in here right now. <laughs> None of us have to. We want to. This is important. Yes. Sit up in that chair. Here we go. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful word. Thank you how precious it is. All the blood that was shed. The Lamb of God and all the martyrs so we could have this book. Quicken us with your word. Strengthen us by it. And read it like it's precious. Talk about it like it's precious. Get up in the morning. Your flesh may feel draggy. We all got flesh. But you grab yourself by the ear and say, hey. (laughs) I mean, you might be droopy eyed. You might feel. But you go, hey. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. Look out. It's church time today. Right? Preachers got to do this. Ah, man, this is my ninth service in a row. Whew, I don't know. Whew, I'm a working heart. No, no, it's a privilege. Life is short. You could be groveling under a bush somewhere looking for something to eat. Right? You could not have the ability or the freedom to do this. This is a privilege. This is an honor. Aren't you glad you're not just wasting all your life on things that will not matter at all a hundred years from now? We know what's going on. We're in things that matter. Glory to God. Everything we're doing in the kingdom of God lasts forever. Has eternal 
reward and result. How important it is. How we ought to value these things. And you watch it. You know, the more we learn these things and we come together. And it's not just ho-hum, church as usual. We come together and we stir ourselves up. We go, this is the holy, holy time of fellowship with the Lord. Here we go. Oh, the Lord's going to be here. The Lord's manifesting himself. And you don't, now you're with me now. You don't come and you're not looking around going, well, look at what they got on. And that's all you think. Well, look at what they're doing. Look who's here. Well, that's, you got to limit that kind of thing because there comes a time where we forget about all that and we're focused on him. Right? Wonder why they do that or, or look at them. Boy, they sure raise their hands funny. Or, whoo, listen to that guy behind me. He can't sing very good. Or, or look at her. Don't she know that that don't match? Look at him. Don't he know that tie? I don't go with that. Then you are carnal. And all you're aware of is flesh. And if God manifested himself, you'd miss it. Everybody else would be blessed while you're looking at somebody's tithe. It'd be over with before you knew what was going on. You went, what, what, what happened? (laughs) No. God's things are glorious. There's nothing more important going on. Right? See, why are people in such a hurry to get away from church so many times? I know I was in a meeting one night and the Lord taught me something. It was a prayer meeting and it went long. And uh, I was kind of getting antsy. I was thinking, I'm ready to go. I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking that. And finally, the Lord asked me, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, he said, what you rush? He said, what are you rushing away from and what are you rushing to? And I had to be honest, because he already knows, you know. No need trying to snow him now. I said, well, I reckon I'm rushing away from a prayer meeting to a sandwich. (laughs) And the news. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's not very spiritual now, is it? (laughs) And that stuff will be there when you get there, right? Whenever. But it shows how carnal people are. They're just so antsy and so, you know, they can't. You see little children, little small children, their attention span, right? I mean, you got to do something. I mean, you can't just sit and teach them like this very long. I mean, you got to, you know, put on a funny hat and, and do something. I mean, because their attention span is, you know, but as you grow older, it's supposed to increase. <laughs> right? You're supposed to learn so that you can get in somewhere and focus and stay there. And how many understand that you've got to learn how to wait on the Lord and be focused and wait on the Lord. And they that do shall renew their strength. You will mount up. You'll come up. Amen. And some of the greatest services that I've been involved in, some things started and they just kept getting stronger and kept getting stronger. And we went for a long time and nobody cared. Right? Nobody was, nobody's wanting to, I mean, you dismissed five times. And they're all just standing there looking at you like, okay, you can go home now. Okay. That means you can move. Yeah. 
That's what we're looking for. Right? The presence of God manifested. Now, do you understand? I'm not just talking about something disassociated. What's coupled with that? We believe for these things, but we show the weight. We show the value. Right? How many reverence the Word of God? So when we turn to read scriptures, does it mean anything to you? I mean, it should affect how you hold the book. Right? You don't pitch your Bible just anywhere. Right? You don't just flip it around and throw it. And you teach your children, you know. They throw their Bible in the corner and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you don't do that. That's your Bible. Treat that with respect. Right? And then when they get 50 years old, then they'll know something. Here's the music of the Lord. Here's the singing of the Lord. Here's the offering of the Lord. You should think, important. Important. Weighty. Important. Here's a healing line. Here's a prayer time. Important. Man, I've seen half the crowd get up and leave in a healing line. You see people pull out their lunchbox during the altar call. Set them up a little picnic. Clipping their nails. Making their grocery list. These are people who don't hold the things of God weighty and precious and valuable. It's already beginning to happen in here right now. As we learn these things, our focus increases. Our faith comes up and we draw near to him. What will happen? He will draw near to us. He will manifest, if we obey Him, see, if we obey Him in these things, He will manifest Himself to us. Thanks be unto God. Then you'll carry this away from here into your house, right? And into your car, and into your job. Wherever you go, that sense of the weight of the goodness of God and glory of God is around you. Right? And when you're around people, they sense something that's not light and frivolous. It's something substantial. Right? They sense something that's heavy and valuable, precious. What are they sensing? They're sensing the glory of God. The glory of God. Now turn with me please to 1 Corinthians 11. Oh, hallelujah. His presence is increasing. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 17. He said, Now in this that I declare to you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better or for the worse. (laughs) Is he saying that have been better off? Not coming together the way they're doing it? Well, it has to be because you didn't come together for the better, but for the worse. It was the worse, the result. For he said, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, schisms. And I partly believe it. You know, that's one reason we're, we're so strong on this, I'm telling you. You can do a lot of things and get through, but strife, you're in trouble around here. Did you hear me? 
We have zero tolerance for strife. It makes no difference why. Did you hear me? Zero. Because the Lord taught me years ago, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And if we let it go, then we're letting the enemy infiltrate and manifest himself in God's holy things, and we will not. Cannot. Right? How about your house? How much, how much tolerance for strife? Say it out loud, zero tolerance. No strife in my house. Now, as much authority and influence you have, you see to it that you use it to that end and that everybody knows we have none of this. None. He said, you've got divisions and schisms. He said, verse 19, there must be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He said, what you're doing is not communion. For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper. They're not waiting on each other. And one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye what? What's that word? Despise? You see it? Despise ye the church of God. And shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. See, that's why we must do things properly in the church. That's why you see these signs up, you know, don't bring food in here. Right? And don't bring, you know, uh, big jugs of drink and all this kind of thing. And when it comes time for the service, don't be in the bookstore. Right? And this is not just a place of business here. This is not a store. We're not trying to sell things and hard sell things. This is resources available. A lot of the margin on some of these things is just enough to turn it around. But everything that we do here, we must have in mind, these are God's things. They must be treated properly. Right? Communion. We don't just see how quick we can run through it. Right? It's got to be precious. It's got to be important. And the more we do, God's going to turn up his power. He's going to turn up his glory. Going to turn up his manifest presence. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.